0: South Fellowship Church. Hi. We are the Bean family. <laughs> you want to say your name,
1: sweetie? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I know it. I'm Kimmy
0: and I am Jesse and we are so excited to be with you from our home this morning. And we hope to see you again uh, at South Fellowship Church. We're doing
2: for a campfire.
0: All yes. right.
1: We're so campfires.
3: <laughs> and we watched. Chocolate and mouth. Okay. In the fire too.
2: Okay. okay.
1: And
0: today's call to worship comes to us from Isaiah 58, uh, verse 11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. What? Be blessed this morning. South, we love you. Good morning, South Fellowship Church. We're going to worship Him. We have the opportunity, so we took the opportunity to worship with this beautiful mountain behind us. We're in the presence of God this morning. Let's worship.
3: When you found me, I was so blind. My sin was before me. I was swallowed by pride Out of the darkness You brought me to your light You showed me new mercies And opened up my eyes Sing it From the day you saved my soul Till the very moment my soul save my soul Till the very moment when I come home, I sing, I'll dance, my heart will overflow. From the day you saved my soul, from the day you saved my soul, the, till the very moment Day, you saved my soul. Oh, you saved my soul. Oh, you save my soul.
0: Church, you may not know this, but on the church calendar, calendar today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day when traditionally the church celebrates when the Holy Spirit descended on the church. And so we want to celebrate that today. And so as we move into this first song, I just want you to prepare your hearts. Tune yourself into the spirit of the living God because it's the spirit that empowers the church. And then throughout our time of worship today, I want to tell you a story. I want to bring you on a journey of what it was like before the Holy Spirit arrived for the early church and after. And so let's go on this journey together. Let's tune our hearts in to the Spirit now.
3: Nothing worth more will ever come close Nothing can compare You're living more
2: Your presence, Lord
3: I've tasted and seen the sweetest of My heart becomes free And my shame is undone Your presence 14. Feel the atmosphere, your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord.
0: Hey, So, Church, I want to tell you the story of the disciples as they hear the promise of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter one. And I I want you to imagine what they were going through, the emotions that they were feeling. Picture it, they'd seen Jesus die on the cross and be buried and they they felt abandoned, they felt the movement was over, but then he rose again and and Acts is several days after his resurrection. And then Jesus tells them this in verse seven of Acts chapter one. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he'd said these things, he ascended to the heavens and he left them again. Imagine the emotions that they're feeling. They'd they'd lost him once and now they're losing him again. But there's this promise, of this Holy Spirit, this comforter to come to them. And this next song bring, it brings you on that journey of this feeling of abandonment and longing and desire to be with God. Let's sing it. I've
3: carried a burden for too long on my wasn't created to bear it alone hear your invitation to let it all go i see you now laying it down i know his eye me run to the fire Fall into grace. Done with the hiding. Freezed away. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. You had a plan from the start. The sun for redemption. The price for my heart. I don't have a contest for that kind of love. I don't understand. I can't comprehend. I know is I need you Run to the Father, fall into graves Done with the hiding Reason away. My heart needs a search, my soul needs a friend So run to the Father again and again and again and again Again and again, oh oh, 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 again and again. My heart has been in your sight long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running to life from death i feel there's a rush deep in my chest your mercy is calling out just as i am you pull me in i know i need you now run to the father fall into grace done with the hiding the reason soul needs a friend. So run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, oh. again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 again and again and again and again.
0: This next scene is when the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, actually descends. It's found in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then they spread the gospel all across the known world after that moment. The Spirit descends like a tongues of fire and it's a call back to the temple where the presence of God and the tabernacle, when the presence of God shows up, it's represented by these tongues of fire but it doesn't just show up on the building where they were, it shows up on each individual person of the church. We're going to celebrate that. There is power,
3: power, here in this hour, hour. We're all together, together, waiting here as one. Whoa, whoa. there's power, power. your fire fall again, it's burning in my soul, oh, 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 oh. burning in my soul, oh, 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 oh. all your sons and your daughters, dreaming the dreams of their fathers. we're calling for revival, God let your fire fall again my soul, hear the sound, it's burning in my soul, hear the sound from
2: heaven.
0: a
3: fire fall again, it's burning in my soul, burning in my soul.
0: So now the story comes to us, church, the challenge for us to engage with the Holy Spirit because it's the spirit that empowers the movement of the church. Ephesians 5, 17, 18 says this, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled or drunk <laughs> under the influence of the spirit. We want to be under the influence of the spirit, and the key for us church as we celebrate Pentecost today is surrender. Surrender to the influence of the Holy Spirit. And if you read the book of Acts, it's the spirit that empowers the coming of the kingdom of God through the church. Let's surrender.
3: Down on my knees again, surrendering all, surrendering all. Find me here, Lord, as you draw me near. I'm desperate for you, I'm desperate for you. I surrender you hear my cry, speak to me now, speak to me now, and I surrender, I surrender, I want to know.
1: I'm Amy and I'm the kids pastor here at South and today I have my friend Andrea with me. Hi I'm the kids resident and today we're going to do a spiritual practice that we would like you to do along with us. That's right so you're going to need some paper maybe crayons or markers or colored pencils. Go ahead and grab some right now and as you do I'm going to remind you that a spiritual practice is when we connect with what's in our heart with our hands our minds, are our whole body. Well, hopefully you have your paper and your colors now. What I would like for you to do is to listen to the words in this worship song that Miss Andrea is going to be playing. Or you can use the scripture that's on the screen and let them be a guide to you. And I want you to draw. It could be an illustrated prayer, an interpretation of scripture, or simply just a reflection of what's on your heart. Go ahead and draw now.
4: Hi, everyone. It's great to see you. You know, I say that. I hope to see you soon, but uh, you're seeing me. I hope that's good. And uh, we're here in another week of COVID. But we're going to dig into the Word together. Uh, We're still in this series, Not Like Me. And um, today I get the joyful task of talking about love greater than sex. I don't know why I get assigned these. But um, I hope you realize, um, parents, You don't have to put on blindfolds on your kids or or earplugs in their ears. Um, We're not gonna get into anything explicit. We're gonna gonna be looking at how do we communicate? How do we build relationships? How do we reach uh, to others that we are somewhat diametrically different from? And sometimes those differences get in the way. So, I thought Larry did a great job about politics last week today. Yeah, we're gonna look at some of these sexual things. and, And let's just face it, we live in a very sexually heightened culture right now. Uh, I was I was kind of shocked, very disappointed, shocked though, when I realized, um, read some of the news articles about how high the pornography, internet pornography rates have skyrocketed during this isolation. It's understandable. Um, we live in a time where sexual identity, sexual orientation, sexual freedom, sexual lifestyle, all those things are, are emphasized. And you know what, if you question, woo, it's kind of like there's a phobia that's attached to you. Uh, so we tread lightly in this, but my goal today is uh, to show how the love of God is far greater than any of those things that differentiate us. So, let's jump into it, and I'm just going to be sharing two stories. Uh, one's my story. One is um, Jesus' story, and um, I hope they mesh together, and we can learn some things together. Uh, I go back to something that happened to me in Dulles, which was a ministry I worked in, and. Um, That was a discipleship ministry. We used to have young adults who came for about a a year, and we would just pour into them. And I would get different instructors who would come in, and one day we had someone from Where Grace Abounds. Where Grace Abounds is a ministry that works uh, with sexual issues, Um, and in those days, especially uh, homosexuality. And um, I remember the instructor started out by asking this question. If you had two men come to you and they said, hey, we are a couple, we're in love, and we are discovering the love of Jesus Christ, and we would like to give our lives to Him, can you help us give our lives to Jesus? How would you help them? And um, I remember hearing that question as I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, that's great they want to come to Christ. And yeah, I'd say there's a few things we've got to work on first, but..." Th- Fortunately, fortunately, I didn't say that. You know, I, I'm the instructor, so it's nice that I didn't stick my foot in my mouth, but one of my students did, and um, asked that very question, and, and uh, she very politely responded, Oh, so what did Jesus tell you you had to change before you could come to know him? And that's the question I want us all to grapple with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, It wasn't for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever can get their act together and fix all their problems and get everything straight, then come to him, uh, will have eternal life. No, it's whoever believes in him, and there's the challenge. Um, Let me just share a story from uh, my life and Carrie's life. Um, This goes way back to seminary. It was right toward the end of my seminary education. Um, We had a couple who came to visit us. And uh, we had known them in undergraduate, in college. And I'm going to call them Dave and Sue, Dave and Susan. Uh, I'm lying about those names, but I'm trying to protect their real names. But Dave and Sue, Susan came and they were relocating to Denver. And we said, hey, come live with us, um, you know, until you find your own place. And we had a ball. We had a great time. We played games. We did all kinds of things together. Um, the day came when they found a house, they moved out. Uh, we all kind of missed each other. And, um, it wasn't about two months later that I got a call from Dave and he said, hey, would you guys consider moving in with us in our new house? And we've got some rooms that'll work out great and we just had such a great time and we challenged each other in our lives. So we, we eventually did. Now, Carrie had a few reservations, but I just jumped in hook, line, and sinker. sinker. And um, yeah, we had a good time for about six months. And gradually over four, five, six months, we started to see some tensions grow Until eventually, eventually in January, um, Dave came to me and said, I think it's time you guys leave for the sake of my marriage. And so we said, okay. And uh, that hurt, but we left. We found another place. Um, Like I say, I jump into things hook, line, and sinker so I could kind of drop them. Carrie couldn't. And, um, oh, you women. Uh, Carrie ended up going to a women's retreat at South way back in those days. And uh, she shared about this situation and how we hadn't seen this couple for four months. And the girls were praying. And then uh, one of the gals in the group said, I think we should pray much more specifically. And another one said, yeah, I think we should too. We should ask God to bring that couple to you this Friday night. And so they started praying that. And Carrie came home and told me that. And I said, are you kidding? Friday night's only five days away. Um, Oh, me of little faith, Friday night showed up. And guess what? The doorbell rang and there was Dave with a pile of our mail, little sheepish smile. He said, you know, I'm really sorry, I meant to bring this mail over to you before now. Um, but here it is. And he said, you know, if you guys ever wanna to get together again, let's, let's do it. Guess what? It initiated our relationship again. We got together, we had a great time. We, we went to the zoo, we played all kinds of games. We had, we had a terrific time again with Dave and Susan until, until the summertime, until after graduation, um, I remember a June night, late June, about 11.30, getting a phone call and Dave said, can you come over? And I was shocked. And so we threw our clothes back on. We went over there to their house. Dave took me outside. Susan sat with Carrie and they explained how David was a homosexual. And he had found someone that he loved and he wanted to spend the rest of his life with him. Um, I was shocked. But I said to David, I said, hey, we'll we'll walk with you. I don't understand. I don't know what's going on, but we'll walk with you. Um, We spent time with them that summer. We ended up, um, after getting them into some counseling and some work like that, we ended up going back east. And um, back there, we eventually heard from them um, later that year that their marriage had dissolved and they got divorced, went their separate ways. That was my story. And I wrestled. What do I do? How do I help? Where do I step in? Um, And I asked the question as I was getting ready for this message, where does Jesus speak into that? And if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd ask you to open to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, just a little clip of story from from the life of Jesus. Um, And it's one that you know. It's where the woman was caught in adultery and and brought to to Jesus. Um, Let me just read. These verses, uh, the first uh, 11 verses from John chapter 8. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. And a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down, wrote in the dust with his finger, and they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, well, where are your accusers? Didn't any one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go. Go and sin no more. We all know this story. Um, and, and, I, and I just look at this setting. This is the end of a, of a great festival they've had. Jesus made quite a ruckus the day before even to the point where you'd almost question, and wonder why he returned to the temple courts. But when he came back in, I almost picture the word travels around, hey, Jesus is over there. And uh, the crowds start to gather. In fact, when you get back and you look at some of the language, it says all the people came and surrounded Jesus. Uh, and so Jesus began to teach. And then you can kind of look over here on the edge of the crowd. They start to part as the religious leaders push their way through and they bring this lady. And I just picture them forcing her to kneel on the ground. And they say, this lady was caught in adultery. Now, the the, the law of Moses says that she should be stoned. Jesus, what do you say? And at that moment, Jesus stoops down. And it just tells us he started taking his finger and started writing in the dust. Just writing in the dust. And I have a feeling as he was writing in the dust that um, the religious leaders kept pushing him and pushing him, and asking him, what are you, what are you doing? What do you, what do you say about the law of Moses? Come on, you're supposed to be an expert in this law? Come on, show us you're an expert. Um, you know, I, I've even I've preached on this passage before, and I've tried to come up with what he might have written, and I think I came up with some pretty lame ideas. But, um, There was something that really struck me as I was preparing for this message. And that was um, in a book by a a fellow named Kenneth Bailey. Ken Ken Bailey was a missionary. Uh, 40 years he taught Bible over in the Middle East. Taught in Egypt, taught in Cyprus, taught in Israel. And therefore he got quite an insight into uh, Middle Eastern culture and how the impact on, um, on scripture. And he went to this passage and he didn't so much wrestle with what Jesus wrote he wrestled with why Jesus wrote as he did, using his finger, going in the dust. And he pointed out that this particular day, this was after this Feast of the Booths, uh, a very popular feast where there would have been thousands and thousands of people that came to Jerusalem for it. Uh, The day after the feast was a Sabbath day, a High Holy Sabbath day, so nobody was supposed to do any work. I never knew this, but I, I knew that the, the, the whole work ethic and work legalism was, was rather absurd that the um, Jewish people came up with. B- but Bailey pointed out how people were not allowed to write on the Sabbath day. In other words, they could not take a stylus or they could not take a permanent pen and write something on parchment or some permanent way. Um, but they were allowed to write with their finger in the dust you know, I was thinking about that. I could probably, I could, I could write volumes on my desk because I have so much dust, but um, that's beside the point. Here's Jesus, all the dust on the temple floor, big, vast floor, and he just stoops down and he starts writing in the dust. Um, I mean, some of that could be said, hey, you guys think I'm country bumpkin. I don't know about the law. I do know about the law. And he's writing with his finger in a way that's appropriate uh, by those legalistic experts. And You know, I just throw out, I just throw out, he might be writing, he might be writing Leviticus 21. Here's what this verse says this law. If a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. The reason I wonder if Jesus might be writing that is. Set this picture, he's sitting there, he's just writing things in the dust and these leaders are still pushing him and stressing and they're saying, what what, what are you gonna say? Where's your answer, Jesus? So that finally Jesus stands up and he says, okay, all right, all right. But let whoever of you is without sin, cast the first stone. In other words, Jesus is saying, okay, stoner. But whoever of you has uh, fulfilled all the law, Whoever of you has kept every requirement in the book, whoever of you has followed each one of these minute little details, okay, and you say you are sinless, pick up a stone and you be the one to initiate the penalty that the law requires. And after saying that, Jesus stoops back down and begins to write in the dust. And I wonder if he was just filling out that regulation. Yeah. The man and the woman shall be put to death. Well, one by one, the religious leaders realize they've been caught. They thought they were going to set a trap for Jesus, but instead, yeah, here they are stuck. And from the oldest, they begin to leave until they're all gone. And eventually Jesus stands back up and he looks at the woman who's still there on the ground. He says, where are your accusers? Uh, didn't anybody condemn you? And she says, no, sir. And then Jesus says these amazing words. Neither do I. I do not condemn you. Now, go and sin no more. Grace and truth, grace and truth. I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Uh, yeah, this book that we're using, uh, Not Like Me, kind of came out with a, with a little paraphrase of that. Uh, I, I don't condemn you. Now, go. You don't have to live your way like you're living. I got a little stone here. It's probably hard to see. Maybe it's hard to see. There you go. And this little stone used to have the number one on it. You probably get the point of what this stone was. Uh, My Aunt Ella gave me this when I graduated from seminary a long time ago. Um, And she said, Danny, I, and uh, she, she has the right to call me Danny. She's 35 years older than me. She just passed away a few years ago. But she said, Danny, I want you to take this stone. I want you to put it in her pocket. And every time you feel judgmental, every time you get angry at somebody, every time you want to just lace somebody up and down, I want you to grab this stone and realize, okay, he's without sin. Let him grab the first stone and throw it. One thing I'm very pleased to say, I've still got the stone, which means I didn't throw it. Uh, it used to have a number one on it, but that got worn off over time. I probably kept it in my pocket for about 25 years and then jeans got too tight and they weren't comfortable with stones. But uh, I've still got this stone and this just brought back the memories. And There was something that happened in me over the years to begin to realize. And, and this story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery just brings it full force. when when Jesus said to that woman, I don't condemn you, he took her condemnation on himself. Those religious leaders were not going to give up. They they left. They were frustrated. But you know what? It tells us later in chapter 8 that they tried to stone him that day. One thing after another. If you read the Gospel of John, you'll see the uh, accusations kept coming. Um, Yeah, Jesus, Jesus took that condemnation on himself, and we know he took it to the cross. And it suddenly dawned on me one day, if I ever took this stone and I heaved it at somebody, I'd actually be throwing it at Jesus because Jesus already took the stones for me. He took the stones for this woman. He took the stones for each and every one of us because there was a penalty that the law required, but he took those stones for us. Hmm. I want you to sit in that for a little bit. Just rest and thinking about uh, that lady. In fact, yeah, why don't you just imagine that lady kneeling, kneeling on the floor of the temple and trying to understand and grasp what had just taken place and hearing the words of Jesus say to her, I don't condemn you, now go and sin no more. Take some time and just reflect on that. that was a good journey for you. I hope you entered into that and spent some time just putting yourself in her place. Because I think each and every one of us in very true reality are in her place. We are guilty of many, many, many things. Uh, Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget the fact that Jesus took the stones for us. Jesus took the cross for us. Jesus carried our condemnation and buried it once and for all. Jesus took the penalty. As we come to grips with that, I I just wanna share four simple little points, four four little takeaways that I would encourage you to reflect on. As we try to figure out how do we reach to people who are different than us, who, who maybe we have divisions with, disagreements with, and yet God says, no, I want you to reach to them. Point number one, don't set aside your convictions to simply build a relationship. No, your convictions are important in that process. Don't set them aside. Jesus didn't set his aside. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Um, Sometimes you may have heard the, uh, the statement, you say you love me, you say you accept me, but if you don't approve of me, then you don't love me, you don't accept me. And I would just encourage you to realize that's a lie. That's a lie. I think any parent can tell you that. Uh, Parents will tell you, hey, I I love my kids. I accept my kids. My kid is always gonna have my name, indelibly on him. I don't always approve of what my kid does. And so there's times I have to discipline him. There's times we have to talk about it out together, but I love him and I accept him. It doesn't lessen my love just because I don't approve of his behavior. Um, When it comes to our convictions, Don't set your convictions aside, but step into them with truth and grace like Jesus did. That brings me to the second one. Don't let your convictions condemn. Jesus said, "I I don't condemn you. And I think in those words, that lady might have heard something even greater. I don't condemn you. I love you. I love you, and I've got so much more for you. I don't want you to go back to that life. Go and sin no more. Um, Last week in our Zoom meeting, and and I'd encourage you, if if you haven't uh, stayed for one of the Zoom meetings after our service, they're actually kind of fun. And um, we were praying afterwards, and Mike Costas, I'm sure it was Mike, prayed these words, uh, Help us, Lord, to want to know who they are, not
0: what they are.
4: To want to know who they are, not what they are, and I think that's so key. Uh, An author Kalen Kaltenbach, um, who found out that both his parents came out of the closet later on in his life, and in the process he became a pastor, of all things. But uh, he used these words, care enough about a person not to reduce them to their sexual orientation, not to see them as a project, see them as a person, not a project. Don't reduce them to simply sexual orientation. And he listed out five or four simple things that I'll just uh, share with you. One is step in and accept attention. Just realize, yeah, we're going to differ on some things. That's okay. I can still pursue a relationship. Meet them with, for some coffee. Get, get together for dinner. Um, tr- try to get to know who they are. Um, engage in conversations. Number two, engage in conversations. Conversations are two way. Doesn't mean that you're just quizzing them to find out, tell me about what you are. No, it's you're sharing yourself. They're sharing themselves with you. Um, Understand who they are, number three. Understand who they are. Really try to delve into what are their fears? What are their dreams? What are their hopes? What are their experiences? Try to reach into who that person is. And number four, this is probably the toughest one for me. And I have a feeling for some of you, don't try to fix anyone. Don't try to fix somebody.
5: That's up to God.
4: God's in the process of fixing. Let me, let me look at this verse for you in Romans. Um, Romans chapter 12. Wonderful verse, and I love it in the new, new Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you into a new person. Um, I used to try to change people all the time. And I've slowly come to realize that's God's business, not mine. Mine is to follow through with that challenge He gives me to love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as I love myself. And I don't want to use my convictions to condemn anybody. Um, how do we do that? How do we uh, try to develop our relationships and, and see that? I think it's how we view people. In fact, I go back to that verse that I shared right in the very beginning, John John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever shall believe in him. I think we have to look at everybody around us as having that potential to believe in him. I think we have to look at everybody around us having that potential to know that Jesus died for them. Jesus took the stone for them. Do we really believe that. Um, And I think the first step in that is just realizing like he tells us in Genesis chapter one, he made all humankind in his image. That is a common aspect that we have with everybody. We are all in the image of God. And I've wrestled, you know, what is the image of God? What is that particular thing that he stuck right down deep inside of me and inside of everybody else? You know, I can't tell you with a, with DFINITY, But I kind of give you a little glimpse. Um, I go back to the verse that has probably come up in every one of the sermons in this series about how we relate to other people. And that's Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, where the the lawyer comes and says, um, tell us what's the greatest commandment. And Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Loving others, loving ourselves, loving God. There's a relational aspect that's there, and I believe that's within the image of God. I believe the image of God is an amazing relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Godhead. And He's inviting us into that relationship with Him. Everybody. Everybody that I know, everybody in this world has a need for relationship, has, has a desire for intimacy, has a bonding. That's why this time of isolation is pretty tough. But there's a fourth point. You know, yeah, we, we, we don't give up our convictions and we don't use our convictions to de- condemn and we need to see people through fresh eyes. They're in the image of God and, and we need to be reaching to them. But we also have to realize, ah. Uh, Jesus offers so much more than just being in His image. Jesus took the penalty for each and every one of us, and He invites us to come under His covering, under His um, safety and protection and no condemnation. And He invites us to come in and begin to understand the identity that we have in Him as we surrender to to His Lordship in our lives. And it's not surrendering in such a way that says, okay, I'm going to fix this, 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 and this, and then I'll surrender. No. And I hope we never tell anybody that. But it's coming in and surrendering and realizing, Jesus took the penalty. And He calls, causes me to come to Him and have this new identity. Let me just read, just quickly. Um, in Ephesians, there's a lot of these little um, little tidbits about how how we are identified in Christ. When Carrie was going through cancer this second time, uh, she was waiting to be radiated on each time she went down there and had to look at that huge contraption staring at her. She would recite these to herself uh, I'm a saint. Ephesians 1 1. I'm a saint. I, I don't feel like a saint. I don't feel all that holy. Well, you know what? I'm a saint who doesn't feel all that holy. Because God says I'm a saint. I'm identified through Christ. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. A love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. You can go through a whole list of things. Because of Christ, those things are growing in me. I'm blessed with them. I'm chosen. I'm I'm, I'm adopted as a son of the Father. I'm a brother of Jesus. That's amazing. And in that adoption, I'm an heir to an amazing inheritance that that God has for me. I am indwelt and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And because I'm indwelt, the the, the temple of the Spirit is within me. He is teaching me the things that Jesus taught when he was here on earth. Um, We could go on. There's so many things about our identity with Christ. Yes, I believe everybody is created in the image of God. Oh, and I pray that we would go with the good news to tell everybody that we see that God invites people to come under the no condemnation of Jesus Christ and enter into that fellowship with Him where we can then be identified with Christ. We can be His representatives in this world. And part of that aspect of being His representative is going to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, as we love God Almighty. Love greater than anything that divides us love greater than any sexual identification or sexual orientation. Love greater than anything that separates us. Love that calls us to come together. I just want to bring this to a close and uh, kind of wrap up my story. The story that uh, Carrie and I had with Dave and, and Susan. You know, it was a a few years after that incident took place, it was a few years after their divorce, uh, Carrie and I were back here in Colorado and we were coming out of a store and lo and behold, who would we see but Susan? And we said, Susan. Um, and she came over and we laughed and it was great and we could sense the pain and we knew the hurt and we could tell, yeah, she'd been hurt to the point there was very little trust. She was somewhat disillusioned about the church. She'd been, yeah, it was, it was hard. And yeah, we said, hey, let's get together again. And you know, we never did. And then there was Dave. And this was when I was working with Duloss. And I was in a little restaurant and uh, I had the students with me. And we were over at a table and I went up to make an order. And while I was doing it, I heard the familiar quality of his voice say, Dan Elliott. And I turned around, and there was Dave. Big smile, jolly guy like he always was. He was sitting with his new partner. And I went over there and I wondered as I walked, should I shake hands or hug? I'm not sure. We hugged. We had a great short, but great time catching up. Just little tidbits that we were sharing here and there. And then, um, hey, I, I said, you know, I gotta get back to my students, but hey, here's my phone number. Let's, uh, let's call each other. And he wrote down his phone number and he said, yeah, let's call each other. That was 24 years ago. We never have. 24 years ago. I've uh, never heard from Dave and he's never heard from me and I don't know if i have just been at a loss of words to know what to say but as I've been working on this message I've been struck with something I look at that relationship and I think I had a conviction that destroyed a relationship and I will tell you right now and I you know this is frightening for me to do it. It's one thing to say it when we're standing in the church and you know, we're all sitting there in that sanctuary together and I make a promise to you all. It's another thing to say it online and uh, wondering who in the world is all hearing this. But I want to tell you, I want to rewrite the ending of that story. I want, instead of saying I had a conviction that destroyed a relationship, I want to say I had a conviction that interrupted a relationship because I know I've got to search for Dave. I don't know where he is, I don't know if he's still in the lifestyle, I'm not sure. But I want to try to get to know Dave as a person. I want to try to stop viewing him as someone who's running away from Jesus. I want to start viewing him as someone that Jesus has called me to love. Love as my neighbor, love as I love God, love as I love myself. I want to reopen a relationship. And I hope you might be challenged to do the same. I hope you might be challenged to not cut somebody off, but instead to bring someone in. I don't know where this is going to go in your life, but in God's hands, He'll multiply it. Hey, thank you for being here. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your love. Ah, Thank you for your love. Your love is greater than anything that divides us, any boundary that hinders us. Thank you for your love. Lord, may we be strong in our convictions and may we be strong in your love. And may you send us out in the world as your representatives. And Lord, Father God, may you bring your transformation into this world one person at a time. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. In the name of Jesus and the spirit and the Father God, I pray this. Amen.
6: Well, thank you so much, Pastor Dan, for continuing to challenge us. These last weeks have been really stretching as we've been encouraged to love people that are not quite like us. As I've been reflecting on these weeks and these messages, this is difficult. And I know that I can't grow in my love for others or my ability to expand my heart to accept them and listen to them with the heart of jesus if it's not for the spirit of god you know today as we celebrate pentecost as pastor aaron told us about at the very beginning we want to spend some time now reflecting on the holy spirit and inviting him to come into our lives today and to actually empower us to continue in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. What I love about Pentecost is that when Jesus left, he didn't leave us alone. He actually had a better and a new plan for us. And as the disciples were awaiting that new plan, Jesus, his spirit came. And I believe that as we await our next plans And we're in a season of trusting and waiting on the Spirit to guide us and instruct us and fill us. He is present to us today. And so I invite you to pray this prayer along with me. A prayer that I've written. Just a simple prayer directed to the Holy Spirit to invite Him to come and fill us. To renew us and expand us and empower us to do His work. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we open our palms today to invite you into our hearts. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us with more of you. Holy Spirit, renew us cleanse us and expand us to love in the way of Jesus, with the heart of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, empower us. Give us the strength and courage to take steps of obedience to you today. We love you, Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
5: Amen. Good morning, South Fellowship Church, it's me, Larry. And uh, I'm not with you guys this morning. I'm actually away in the mountains with my family for a few days, just sort of getting a little bit of rest and charging up for the next few months. And I and, uh, hope you are getting some rest too, uh, and also enjoying just the beauty of God's good creation. Um, I wanted to just share a couple of quick things this morning I sent out an email earlier this week and we put on Facebook uh, a couple of days ago about um, a response to President Trump last week, last Friday, I think, um, deeming churches as essential organizations. And, And what he was saying is that churches should be allowed to meet and governors should allow it and all those sorts of things. And as you might imagine, it caused church staff around the country to go, oh my gosh, what do we need to do? And all those sorts of things. Um, Some people are really excited going, well, this is awesome. Let's meet. Can't we meet on Sunday? Um, Others are going, whoa, this feels way too early. Um, And probably a lot of emotions from a lot of different people. I know I've had different emotions about it. I've had to think about it and process it. And, And every emotion is okay and totally normal. A couple of things I want you to know. Number one, churches have always been essential. It's Jesus's plan. Um, I, I remember a famous pastor used to say the local church is the hope of the world. And what he was saying is that it was Jesus's plan for loving the world. And, and in times that are really difficult, the church has had a significant voice and an opportunity to meet people people where they are and love people well. Because the truth is the church isn't a building, it's God's people. And I just want to say thank you, South Fellowship, for being God's people, being God's church in this season. I know we haven't been in our building in weeks um, and I know that we all can't wait to get back together, but I just wanna say you've been being the church. Uh, churches around the country and around the world have continued being the church uh, during all of COVID. And so the church has never stopped being essential. It's, it's been right there in the front lines, meeting people's needs and praying for them and, and staying with people and caring for the sick and the poor and the widow and the orphan and on and on it goes. And in this season through our food bank and through South Cares and through you in your neighborhood, loving your neighbors well, you're being the church. So uh, as far as getting back together, what does it look like to come into our building? Well, as you might imagine, that's complex. There's a lot of things to consider there um, uh, from the space and making sure it's a safe, healthy environment, making sure we're following all the regulations and the rules, which it seems there's an update almost every day. So I've put together a team that's working to create a reentry plan. It's a phased plan uh, where we will sort of introduce in phases what coming back together looks like. And as you might imagine, that's gonna take a little bit of a time. Uh, but we're not dragging our heels. We're working on it, we want, but we want to do it wisely and discerning uh, what the Lord would have us to do. So I would ask you to be praying for this team and our elders about that as we seek to to follow Jesus and to continue to create space for community. Um, and I know that you want to know more about that. We're working on it on June 7th, which is a week from today. We're going to be talking about that more, talking about those phases, and we're going to put it on our website so you can follow along and we'll keep it updated on a regular basis as well so pay attention uh next weekend be 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 sure to tune in um the second thing is we've had a lot of questions about what's happened to our lead pastor search well a few weeks ago there was an update that the search team had handed off the 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 search to the elders and the elders have been working spending a lot of hours praying and watching sermons and having interviews and conversations and and all those things. And we're really excited about the direction that God is taking us. We're confident that God's moving this to a close. Um, and on June 7th, we're going to give an update uh, about where we are and how you can specifically pray about that and re-entry. So make sure to tune in and join us for worship on June 7th. Uh, we'll give you some updates. And in the meantime, just be praying for God to continue to give us wisdom, to continue to lead and guide us, and uh, know that you are loved, that you were missed, and we can't wait to see you soon. Love you guys. See you.
6: Thank you so much, South, for joining us for another online experience. It is always a treasure to worship with you, even at a distance. Now, before you head on out to your Zoom room or to whatever else you had planned today, I want to tell you that next week is a week you're not going to want to miss. First of all, we are taking intentional steps to provide care and counsel for you, as well as ways to connect. We are opening up a new support group it is called our safer at home stress support group and it will be offered immediately after our sunday online experience for three weeks and all you have to do is register there's no cost no uh, requirements just showing up and saying hey can you help me process some of the stress that i'm going through and some of our therapists in our community are willing to offer you specific care if you are extra concerned or feeling extra stressed during this season of COVID. The other option is to join our Facebook connection group. This is for summer meetups. Summer is an excellent time when we can be outside in safe, small group spaces and enjoy connecting mask to mask or side by side. Uh, during this season, so we would love to have you join our Facebook group next Sunday as we open up all the options of places to go and people to meet and events to attend, uh, both digitally and perhaps next to each other. And then I want to let you know that Larry and I are going to be sharing a little bit more about our heart and our hope for you as we move forward into this coming season, so you won't want to miss next week. Well, friends, you are dearly loved. we'll we'll see you back next week. And I want to thank every one of you who has been faithful week after week, giving to the kingdom of God through South Fellowship Church. We appreciate you and we love you so much. Take care.